Hello everyone, my name is Danielle Knight and welcome back to my podcast where I talk about every and anything related to mental illnesses. In last week's episode, I spoke about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and why it is important for others to understand the disorder as well as the symptoms and treatments associated with that disorder. On today's episode, we will be discussing different theories that surrounds ADHD. So let's get into it. We are already aware that researchers are unable to really identify a single cause for ADHD. That's so unfortunate. Some researchers suggest that a combination of genes, environmental factors, and one's diet can cause a person to develop ADHD. So it is safe to say that there are many different theories associated with ADHD. However, today I would really like us to view the biological theories that touches on genetic factors and brain studies, as well as interrelated theories of ADHD, which highlights reward and motivation deficits, arousal level deficits, and also self-regulation deficit. Aforementioned, within biological theories, there are genetic factors and brain studies. Let us first talk about genetic factors. It is said that having a family member with ADHD makes you, for example, likely to have the disorder. So children who have ADHD possibly inherited it from a parent or another family member. Wow. Since we are talking about family members, let us look at twins, identical twins, or even paternal twins. We know that twins share many things like their mother's womb, birthdays, and they also have similar likes and dislikes. It is said that it is possible for identical twins or even fraternal twins to share the ADHD trait. Hmm. Researchers are, however, still trying to figure out which genes make a person more susceptible to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. They are even trying to find out what genes are closely related to the neurotransmitter dopamine. Researchers stated that people living with ADHD brain usually exhibit structural and functional differences. Researchers have found that individuals with ADHD have thinner brain tissues in areas that are usually associated with attention. They also found that some children who have thinner brain tissues 
will likely develop normal levels of tissue thickness as they get older. It is also said that when the tissues become thicker, the symptoms of ADHD is likely to become less severe. Now, let us look at the interrelated theories of ADHD. Rewards, when you really think about it, brings a very positive feeling upon us, right? Children living with ADHD normally display an abnormal sensitivity to rewards. Isn't that interesting? Due to this, when rewards are unavailable, they are not motivated and usually find it hard to perform to their full potential. Researchers linked ADHD with the disruptions within the dopamine reward pathway of their brain. Some researchers have found that ADHD is associated with a hypoarousal brain. So children, for example, have an abnormal level of arousal, which can be high, which is really not so common, or low, which is usually common. So a low arousal can cause excessive self-stimulation in order to maintain an optimal level of arousal. So according to the book, Abnormal Child Psychology by Eric Mash and David Wolf, they stated that although this theory receives some support, it has not been presented as a comprehensive model to account for the full range of problems found in children living with ADHD. Let us finally touch on self-regulation deficit. So this is the inability to use thoughts and language to direct behavior resulting in impulsivity and poor maintenance of effort. So children living with ADHD normally find it hard to manage their emotions, right? They tend to overreact in the moment to situations that can be either big or small because they're really not able to come up with a solution, which can lead to tantrums. So this theory examines the interplay among cognitive arousal, cognitive arousal and reward or motivational processes to see how children with ADHD control their behavior. So right now, unfortunately, we are at the end of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you have gained more information about ADHD. Please, please, please tune in next time for episode three. Bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Daniel Knight and welcome back to my podcast where I talk about every and anything related to mental illnesses. On last week's episode, 
We looked at the different theories that surrounds attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. But on today's episode, I will be discussing the highly debated issues that surrounds ADHD. So let's get into discussing that. So as we know, medicating children with stimulants due to them having ADHD is a highly debated issue. In my very first podcast, I stated that there is no cure for ADHD, but there are stimulants that are said and even proven to be effective in reducing the symptoms of ADHD. These stimulants include methylphenidate, such as methylin and ritalin, and also dextroamphetamine-based medications like Adderall and Dexedrin. Some parents stated that when their child is taking these stimulants, their child tends to be less hyperactive, less impulsive, and more focused. Stimulants are said to work by increasing dopamine levels in the brain. So basically, dopamine is a neurotransmitter associated with motivation, pleasure, attention, and movement. As you are following along, I am sure you're wondering, what are the controversial issues? Well, we're going to get into that right now. So hang tight. So, there is controversy that surrounds Ritalin. There has been an increased production in Ritalin that is raising concerns. Hmm. According to the text Abnormal Child Psychology by Eric Mash and David Wolfe, um, they stated that the use of Ritalin is at least five times higher in North America than in the rest of the world. Isn't that crazy? So some people think this medication is being misused for non-medicinal purposes, while others believe there is an increased production because more people are, you know, being diagnosed with ADHD. Okay, so let's look at some more issues or concerns about um, medicating children with ADHD. So some parents are concerned that their child's dosage of these stimulant medications are way too high. We already know that stimulant medications work by increasing the levels of two brain chemicals. So if a child, for example, gets the right amount of stimulant medication, they will be focused. But if that child gets too much, it can actually stress out the brain and cause very bad side effects. And I'm sure we don't want that. Okay, so parents also reported 
their child experiencing sleeping problems when taking these stimulant medication. Um, it was said that children were up very late at night due to the medication. This is probably as a result of the stimulant medication still being active during bedtime. So if the child is taking a short-acting formula, the child is probably taking his or her last dose too late in the day, which hasn't worn off before bedtime. So another issue is that parents and even researchers highlighted that eating issues um, was also a problem with children who are diagnosed with ADHD and are taking stimulant medications. Um, so this issue might be due to the stimulant medication peaking a few hours after a child takes it. So some children would take their stimulant medication, for example, before having breakfast and as a result will lose their appetite around lunchtime. What you as parents can do to reduce this eating issue is to, you know, encourage your child to eat whenever they are hungry. You can also look into having your child take breaks from the stimulant medication on weekends or even holiday. Last but not least, another issue parents are having um, is that they've noticed their child's growth is being delayed and it has been reported that it's been happening mostly in boys. So it is known that some boys grow slowly when taking stimulant medication. Studies have also shown that around the third year, second or third year, you know, boys' growth begins to increase. So parents, if your child is experiencing this, please look into taking breaks, maybe during the weekends or summer, whenever it's convenient, you know, from, they need to take breaks from the stimulant medication. And doing this will likely show an increase in growth. Well, unfortunately, we are at the end of this podcast. Don't forget to tune in next time so that we can look into more highly debated issues that surrounds ADHD. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and I will see you next time. Bye.